Great to see you here this morning. I am so glad you are here. There are a lot of places you could choose to be on a Sunday morning, and I am grateful that you chose to be here. Today is a special day in the life of the church. All around the world, people are gathered today to remember and celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, riding on a colt, colt, excuse me, called it Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday this morning, it marks the beginning of Holy Week in the Christian calendar. And just as the crowds gathered to celebrate Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, we too gather to celebrate Jesus' entry into our lives and into our hearts. Today we gather to celebrate, we gather to remember, and we gather to worship. Augustine of Hippo once wrote, you never go away from us, yet we have difficulty in returning to you. Come, Lord, stir us up and call us back. Kindle and seize us. Be our fire and our sweetness. Let us love and let us run. Today, we gather and let us once again ask God to rekindle our hearts and our minds with a desire and passion for Christ in our life and in this world. Well, the season of Lent is almost over. Uh, For the last six weeks, we've been been preparing our for our celebration of Easter uh, by enriching our spiritual lives through the teaching of God's Word. The title of this teaching series we've been doing through the season of Lent is called Come, Follow Me. And I hope by now you have a pretty good idea of where that title came from. One day Jesus approached some fishermen with an invitation to come and be his disciples. You know, I'm not sure how you and I would react if some guy from out of town came up to us and said, you know, hey, drop everything, come and follow me. But we do know that the response of these men, in response to the invitation, uh, that it was an immediate response. In every one of the gospel stories, we find that when Jesus invited these men to follow him, they did so immediately. They did not say, hey, you know, Jesus, we need to go back and think about this for a while, probably go back home and pack a few things and consider exactly what you're asking us to do. No, they didn't say that, nor did they say, Jesus, you know, my parents were hoping I'd take over the family business. I have some great benefits there. I have a pension plan. You know, traveling around with you doesn't sound like a great opportunity. No, the Bible says they left everything And they heard the invitation of Jesus and simply went. But Jesus didn't ask them to just follow. He also said something else. He said, follow me and I will enable you to fish for people. I will help you see way beyond the pension plan, way beyond your four weeks vacation, to see how your work will matter for eternity. So in accepting that invitation to follow Jesus, their lives were transformed And we are the recipients of that impact that they made, not only on the world of their day, but for generations to come. And the question today is, will we too take that step of faith with Jesus? Will we hear his invitation to come and follow and respond? Will you bow with me in a moment of prayer? Lord, we thank you for your very personal invitation to each of us. Thank you that uh, you want to have a deeper relationship with us. Help us to accept this great invitation. Thank you that uh, you love us fully. You chose to abandon all the glory of heaven to live among us, and then you extended the invitation for us to come and follow you. God, today help us to choose you wholeheartedly. Help us to love you 
in every dimension of our life without reserve or without regret. We want to experience the deep things of your heart and the power of your life. We want to understand the feelings in your heart and know your purposes that you designed for each of us. So set our hearts free today. Set them on fire as we worship you and make us ready to say yes to your great invitation to a deeper relationship with you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Today is the final Sunday in this teaching series on what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Today is also the Sunday before Easter and what we call, as you heard earlier, Palm Sunday. So we're going to be hearing a story found in the New Testament Gospel of John about the first Palm Sunday and what happened to the people who waved palm branches and welcomed Jesus as their king as he entered the city of Jerusalem. And we will see how the crowds of people who followed Jesus were not so willing to follow him five days later. The story is recorded for us in John chapter 12. The next day, the news that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. And then the Pharisees said to each other, there's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. Let me give you some of the backstory. Each year at the celebration of Passover, crowds came to the city of Jerusalem. It was the major spring festival for the Jewish people to remember their deliverance from slavery many years earlier in their history. And this year, as Jesus made his way into the city, crowds gathered and followed him waving palm branches and shouting, Hosanna, which was kind of a shout of blessing and affirmation. They were ready to make Jesus their king. They were declaring their intention to be his followers. The palm branches they carried were symbols of victory, and by riding on a donkey into the city, it seemed like Jesus was saying that he was coming to be their Messiah. Everything looked like the coronation of a king. The crowds were with Jesus and filled with anticipation that he would finally take charge and rid the nation of the hated Roman occupying army. But let's fast forward a few days. Four days later, Jesus would be betrayed by one of his disciples, a man by the name of Judas, and arrested by the religious leaders. Those leaders held a trial and they found Jesus guilty of blasphemy against God. And since they didn't have the authority to have Jesus killed, they handed him over to the Roman authorities, which did have the power to execute criminals. The Roman governor, Pontius Pilate didn't want to kill Jesus because he had, was concerned about an uprising at the time of the Passover, so he gave the crowds an opportunity to release Jesus. 
See, during the Passover, there was this tradition that the Romans would always release one prisoner to the Jewish people. So Pilate took Jesus and another prisoner, a man by the name of Barabbas, out before the people and asked them which one he should release. In John chapter 18, we read, Then he, Pilate, went out again to the people and told them, He is not guilty of any crime, but you have a custom of asking me to release one prisoner each year at Passover. Would you like me to release this king of the Jews? But they shouted back, No, not this man. We want Barabbas. Barabbas was a revolutionary. Now when the people cried out for Barabbas to be released, Pilate went back to the crowd and asked them again what he should do with Jesus. And they said, take him away, take him away and crucify him. Every year when I hear this story again, I ask myself how people who could praise Jesus on Sunday could call for his death on Friday. What happened during those days that caused people to turn away from Jesus? If we look at what happened during those four days, we see that Jesus did a lot of teaching in the temple, and some of his teaching got both the religious leaders and the crowds rather upset. Jesus said that the people should continue to pay their taxes to Caesar. He talked about the coming destruction at the end of the age and even said that one day the temple in Jerusalem would be torn down. And none of this made the people or the religious leaders very happy. The crowds wanted Jesus to lead a movement. He would overthrow the Roman rule and establish Israel as a strong and mighty nation. So for him to talk about paying taxes to the Romans and destruction of the temple didn't make them happy at all. Add to this what Jesus had been saying to his disciples and followers about denying themselves and taking up a cross and suddenly being a follower of Jesus wasn't much fun anymore and certainly wasn't going to be rewarding. You see, as long as Jesus gave the people what they wanted, people were eager to follow. But when his teaching got difficult, people were quick to unfollow. Something similar happened earlier in Jesus' ministry. After Jesus fed a crowd of more than 5,000 people, the crowd wanted to make him king right then and there. But Jesus was clear that following him was not about free food or about miraculous healings. There was sacrifice involved. So Jesus taught the crowd some hard lessons that unsettled them, and they started to grumble, and they started to question him And in John chapter 6, we read, many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, so he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me, for Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. And then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Now notice that last sentence. Many of his disciples, now this isn't just the twelve, This is the greater group of followers that gathered and went, kind of went from place to place with Jesus, uh, hearing his teaching. teaching. Many of those 
uh, disciples turned away and deserted him. You see, when things got too difficult, the people unfollowed. When When the going got tough, these followers got going in a new direction. The same was true of the crowds in Jerusalem at the time of the Passover when the teaching of Jesus got difficult and the political winds turned against Jesus, people started going in a different direction. And the truth is that when things get difficult in our own lives and our faith is being tested, we also are tempted to go in a different direction. There are some key times in our lives when we're tempted to unfollow Jesus. And I think it's important to know what those times are so that we can keep our faith strong and our feet ready to follow him when those times come. And I want to highlight this morning five key times when we're tempted to unfollow Jesus. And the first one is during times of transition. Could be a transition in schools, jobs, in relationships, or in times of great stress in our life. When we transition from one place to another, one set of circumstances to another, it often opens the door for us to unfollow Jesus. We see that sometimes when students transition from one school, uh, level of schooling to another, whether it's from junior high to high school or high school to college, those times of transition are when youth and young adults often make the decision to unfollow Jesus, at least to unfollow the practice of faith. They decide that church is boring, or they decide that they're just too busy or they begin to resist mom and dad's efforts to keep them connected to their spiritual roots. And I can tell you internally, we see a drop-off in our youth here at Redeemer from junior high to high school. And there's usually a more dramatic drop-off when students go to college, unless they're very intentional about finding faith-based ministry on campus. And sadly, statistics tell us as many as half of all youth Even though they are involved in youth programs and things at church, these are fairly committed students. They will unfollow when they get to college, and there are a number of reasons for that. One is that there's a new environment. Following Jesus is not always cool, and when students realize that they don't need Jesus or they don't need to go to church anymore, some don't. Sometimes in academic circles, following Jesus is looked down upon or the Christian faith is challenged or ridiculed. And so suddenly students question whether there's any real point in following Jesus or if Jesus is even real. Sometimes it's the lack of effort to leave campus and find a church or the belief that writing that term paper is more important than going to worship. See, the transition from college to the workforce is also another time when people unfollow. It may be when a person graduates and starts a new job, they realize it's hard to meet Christian friends in the same way as they had before. If they're not attending a Bible study or a church, building solid relationships in a new community can be a challenge. And since religion and faith are not things we often talk about at work anymore, human nature doesn't naturally drift toward holiness, toward faith. More often than not, Sunday becomes that day to sleep in, to rest, to indulge in leisure activities, to recover from the busyness of the week, and there is this drift away from the church, and sometimes from the faith itself. Second, transitions to a new community is also a time when many are tempted to unfollow. As we settle into a new place, maybe 
we don't go to church for a while, we begin to think there's maybe no need to go at all. And if we move to a different part of the country, faith is sometimes lived out very differently and church involvement may not have the same priority. When we lived in the South, a lot of people's social life revolved around the church. But here in the North, it often revolves around things like schools and sports and the gym. In the South, one of the first questions new friends and neighbors may ask you is, where do you go to church? But here in the North, you may never talk to your friends, and sometimes never talk to your neighbors about church. So this transition time to a new community is an easy time for folks to unfollow. Third, the transitions that come with a change in relationship are also a prime time to unfollow. When we get married or when we get divorced, we might find that worship and church involvement just doesn't seem the same. And sometimes to attend alone or to, with someone new is so hard that, and uncomfortable, it's just easier to stay home. Changes in our relationships and family are often times when people choose to unfollow. Fourth, we may also unfollow Jesus during times of temptation. Many temptations come, uh, cause us to turn away from Jesus. And maybe it's that new relationship that we've just entered into, or the person we're dating doesn't go to church, or maybe they don't even believe in God, but so we begin to think that faith isn't all that important because we're really in love. The temptation might be our career. It might be the goal of making a lot of money so that becomes the priority of our life, which often means that there's no time or space left for Jesus. See, there are temptations everywhere in our world that pull us from Jesus and there are times, uh, and these are times when we really need to stay focused and stay committed. But the final key time when I think we often unfollow Jesus is during times of trouble, when things in our life begin to fall apart. It's easy to think that God has left us. So why should we go to church? Why should we even pray when prayers haven't been answered our way and in our time we begin to ask ourselves, what good is it to pray anyway? When Christian friends or the church has let us down in some ways that we uh, as we've gone through difficult times, it's easy to question God and wonder why should we, we should be following God. See, when life gets to be a challenge, it's easy to think about turning in a new direction. During times of transition and temptation and trouble, it's easy to say, what's the point of it all? Or what difference does it all make? And we hit the unfollow button and we go in a different direction. But if we're going to do that, we need to know one thing very clearly, and that is when we, if we unfollow Jesus, it is because we are going to start following someone or something new. If we turn away from Jesus, if we turn away from our faith or the church, then we will be following someone or something else because we are always following something. That's human nature. Even if we just are following ourselves, we are following the idea that we're the best and the brightest and the smartest around, so we should go in whatever direction makes the most sense to us. We're always following someone or something, and if we go back to the Palm Sunday story, we see this truth at work. The crowds were not just unfollowing Jesus, they were following something or someone else. Some of the crowd that day turned away from Jesus and turned toward the religious authorities. And they listened to what they had to say. They believed that Jesus wasn't who he said he was. 
so they opted to go in this direction. Some of the crowd that day turned toward Barabbas. And when they cried out for his release, they were following the way of rebellion and violence in the world. See, today we would consider Barabbas a terrorist. Barabbas was known as one of the Sicarii, which means, literally means dagger men. Because they would walk through crowds of people and they would kill people just to stir up and bring about political, social, or economic change. And when people unfollowed Jesus and called for Barabbas to be released, they were really saying that they would rather follow the powers of evil and of this world than they would the power of God. During times of transition and temptation or trials when we're tempted to turn away from God and not follow Jesus, we will be following something or someone else. It may be pleasure, it may be money, it may be success, it may be another false god, but we will be following something either by design or by default. So we need to ask ourselves, if not Jesus, then who? If not the Christian faith, what has priority over my life? The crowds during the week of Passover said, not Jesus, give us Barabbas, not the ways of God, give us the ways of the world. The disciples faced those same questions when people began turning away from Jesus earlier. When the crowds were leaving Jesus after the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus turned and asked his disciples, he said, are you going to leave me too? Are you going to leave also? And then their response was, and I love this, it's, their response was, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. You see, the disciples knew that there was no one but Jesus and no message but his. His words, his wisdom, his power, his grace, his love were all there for them to live for and there was nothing and no one else that could compare to that. They didn't unfollow then except for Judas and they did, really didn't unfollow after Jesus was arrested, at least not the 12. All the disciples did scatter for a bit uh, when Jesus was arrested. Uh, they didn't show up when he was marched through the streets to the cross outside the city, but they didn't turn to anyone else or anything else. We know that because on the third day after Jesus' death, the disciples were still together. They were still in Jerusalem. They were still in the place where they had gathered with Jesus just a few days before in the upper room. And the disciples didn't return to their homes. They didn't go back to their jobs and their old lives. They didn't try to find another leader. For three days, they stayed in the city and they stayed together so that when Jesus rose from the grave, he found them there almost as he had left them. The disciples may not have had the most courageous of souls at times, but they did not unfollow Jesus. And during times of transition and temptation and trouble when following Jesus is hard, it's tempting to look for something new. It's tempting for us to head off in a new direction, but if we believe, if what we believe about Jesus is true, that he is the Son of God, that he is the Savior of the world, then who else would we follow? Where else would we go? If we believe that there is something special about Jesus, if we believe that he is from God, then who can top that? What person or what religion or what worldview or what social norm can top Jesus? See, every one of us will go through difficult times in our life. 
That's a given. And it will seem uh, easy in those moments to unfollow. You may even be considering that today. Why do I need to follow Jesus? What difference does it make? We follow for the same reason the disciples did, because we know that Jesus has the words of eternal life. And we have come to believe and know that he is the Holy One of God. He is our Lord, he is our Savior, and our hope is entirely in him. And if you're here today and you know that, if you believe that, if you maybe even just think it to be true, then I invite you to point your feet toward Jesus and follow. And if you want to know if it, if it is Jesus that has the, has the words of eternal life, if you want to check him out to see if he is the Holy One of God, then I invite you today to follow him. You don't have to be perfect. You can just take a simple, single step forward when Jesus says, come, follow me, and he will do the rest. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you call every one of us to follow you. And yet we know that our self-interest gets in the way. So send your Holy Spirit among each of us today to stir up our complacency and make us truly your disciples. And we ask this through Jesus Christ our Lord.